everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Well, I'm so glad you're here to join us today on Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. We are going to have a really interesting conversation with Kelly Bone, who is living with dementia. And she is so honest and open about her life and how she is dealing with this. I think you're going to be really surprised and really impressed with how she's handling this diagnosis. But before I interview Kelly, I always like to say thank you to all of our wonderful listeners. Your likes, your clicks, your shares are so much appreciated, and you have really spread the word of our show all around the world. So I hope that you'll continue to do that. And if you're a business looking to expand your brand footprint, I'd love to help you there too, because not only do we have the radio show, but we have the blog, our website, our YouTube channel, lots of social media channels. Uh, we can help spread the word of your work as well. Now I'm going to give a shout out to a couple of organizations that I think are doing some great work. The Memory Cafe Directory is a wonderful resource to find that social support group for people with dementia and their care partners. And there's over 800 of them now in the U.S. And Dave is now tracking other countries as well. So it's really easy to find one in your area or to get one started and get it listed in the Memory Cafe directory. Again, just go to memorycafedirectory.com. Uh, if you are new to dementia and you're looking for a book that's written by somebody who has dealt with lots of family members, going through this, I highly recommend the book called Parental Dementia, A Guide Through All the Difficult Questions. Keith Gallus is an executive director with over 20 years of experience of helping families through these difficult conversations and these difficult questions. And each chapter is dedicated to one of those questions that's most common that families struggle with. So you can go to parentaldementia.com and you can use the key code LORI, L-O-R-I, and get $5.99 off the book. Or you can still purchase it on Amazon, at Walmart, or Barnes & Noble. And it is um, available now as an ebook as well. Now, before I introduce you to Kelly, I want to just give a shout out to some organizations that I'm going to be working with. Uh, this coming month. So March 11th and 12th, I'm going to be out in New Jersey with Artist Senior Living of Eaton, and I'll be doing one program for family and one for professionals. And then March 16th, I'll be back in Minnesota at the Waters of White Bear doing a family uh, program. And then I'm going back out east March 31st to April 1st. I'll be in Pennsylvania with Artist uh, Senior Living of Yardley, and there I'll be doing one professional and one family program as well. And then on April 2nd, I'll be down in Winona, Minnesota, 
and we're going to be doing a screening of A Timeless Love, which is an excellent, uh, excellent program with the talk back with the audience. And then I want to just give one last shout out to the film called Determined. And it's a documentary film that's been accepted into the Wisconsin Film Festival in Madison, Wisconsin. And the film's producer is a good friend of ours, Teresa Barry Tanner. Uh, she began her journey making this film to help raise awareness about dementia and her own experience as a caregiver and also as an Alzheimer's research participant. And it's grown to kind of uh, take place in every nook and cranny across the country she's found. And you'll hear from a few different families and what their journey has been like. And if you'd like to support this fantastic film, please go to documentaries.org forward slash will dash I dash B B E dash next. And you can donate to help get that film um, out and about to all the wonderful places it needs to go. So with no further ado, let me introduce you to Kelly Bone. She is a 58-year-old woman who was diagnosed with early onset just a year ago. And she has a family history of Alzheimer's and dementia, as well as having two of the APOE4 genes. So she has, uh, she's cared for her mom and her uncle, and now she is living the disease herself. And I know she's going to have some some wonderful insights. So, Kelly, welcome. Oh, thank you very much. I, I, thank you for having me. Well, I'm excited to have this conversation with you. And normally I ask people if they've been touched by dementia, and you have on multiple platforms. But why don't we start with um, you have cared for your mom and your uncle. What was that like before you were diagnosed to be dealing with that? Okay. Um, well, my mother, uh, she was diagnosed at uh, 58 years old as well. And by 62, she was uh, getting pretty bad and we had to take her car away from her. And at 64, I had to move her into an assisted living um, facility. And uh, uh, that was uh, a fairly good experience. However, it was only a mile away from me. So I had the opportunity to go several times a day because she was diabetic. And I wanted to make sure that she was being cared for the way that she should have been. Um, and while I was there, I realized that um, sometimes the nurses uh, or the staff was administering or was going to administer the wrong medications and things like that. And so I quickly learned that the more I'm there, the more likely things will be done correctly if someone's paying attention. And so um, I ended up being there multiple times a day. And towards the end of her life, I actually moved in and slept on the floor for about nine months. And um, that was really eye-opening experience to see how not only uh, my mother would have been treated if I wouldn't have been there, but then also how the other people in the facility were treated. Um, and uh, so at the same time, um, about maybe a year before my mother passed away, my uncle became ill with a different illness. But then uh, during that illness, we realized that he had dementia pretty badly. Um, and so um, my uh, cousin asked for assistance um, from my aunt and I to help out. So we helped out there too. So, um, you know, again, we saw him decline very quickly. 
uh, saw his, um, uh, we had seen signs before that his memory was deteriorating, that he was struggling, but we didn't really know exactly what it was. I think I, I think I was kind of in disbelief that this could be happening to two people within one family, but obviously since then I found out because uh, their parents also had, um, one of them had uh, dementia pretty bad. So, you know, I guess it's not uncommon for others, uh, you know, uh, children to get that as well. So um, uh, I would say being a caregiver for me was um, probably the most difficult thing I've ever done, um, but it was also maybe the most rewarding thing I've ever done because I was so grateful to have that time with my mom and to know I was doing the right thing. And, you know, when I talk to my children now, too, they say, you know, Mom, out of all the things we remember about you, we remember how you took care of uh, Grandma. And that was really important, that you just did not let any balls drop. You stayed on top of things. So, but that's difficult to, to do when people are working and they've got children and things like that. Fortunately for me, um, I worked from home. Um, I had a very um, high-powered position at a um, huge IT company, but I was able to manage um, and and, and do those kind of things to try to help my mother. And then eventually, like I said, I just uh, ended up moving in because I just, I know that sounds terrible, but I couldn't trust that she was gonna be taken care of the way that I wanted her to be taken care of. Um, so I, I, that's kind of how I, I got started with it. And then what happened with me was um, I realized um, that there was a good chance that I might eventually get Alzheimer's disease. And so I decided to have genetic testing done. And when I had the genetic testing done, it came back and I thought it said I had one APOE4 gene, but then when I uh, met with my doctor to discuss it, I misread the information and it said I had two APOE4 genes. So that was, came as kind of a shock. And so that was when I was 54. And then he suggested that I, um, I live in Florida and we have the Tampa Alzheimer's Institute here, which is a very good um, uh, organization and he suggested that I drive up there and just have some basic testing done and then if they thought it would warrant it then I would have additional testing done. So I did. Um, I, I waited about uh, three years to do it. I didn't go until like 57 years old and then um, they did the memory testing and I didn't do well on the um, extensive memory testing so they decided to send me for additional testing and um, I can't have an MRI because I have a pacemaker that's not MRI compatible. So instead they did a CAT scan uh, and the CAT scan showed that I um, had some deterioration of my brain. Um, and then they did a, additional uh, other testing as well and all of them pointed to Alzheimer's disease. Um, so that's kind of how I got my diagnosis. So I received that, like you said, a year ago, December. Wow, that had to be, even though you, you know it runs in the family, that had to just be an emotional blow. Um, I, did you have kind of a, a blockage or denial there? Or, or maybe it wasn't for you, maybe? No, it wasn't for me. Um, quite frankly, I'll be honest with you, I, uh, uh, when the doctor told me, um, she told me and I said, okay, well, that's fine. I said, you know, that's okay. I go in and I said, well, you know, when do I come back next? And she's like, you know, I don't think you're grasping the situation. She goes, you know, this is a pretty serious diagnosis. And she said, you know, we need to talk about next steps. And, you know, if you need counseling and those types of things, you know, what kind of support you need? And I said, no, I got this. I said, you know, I go, it runs in my family. I said, I've lived with it for, you know, the last, you know, 13 years of my life. But I said, I know what to expect. And I said, so I'm just going to go tomorrow and I'm going to schedule a, a huge trip, which I just took. 
And I said, you know, I'm just going to go and make the best of it. I said, I'm going to try to help other people with Alzheimer's and I've got to prepare my husband. And so, and, and all along, even now, I think she's a little shocked by how matter of fact I am about it. But I think it's different for me because I have all that history in the past and I, I know what to expect. And I, I knew the symptoms and I knew those types of things. Now, my aunt went and had genetic testing. Um, and she does not have the gene and she doesn't want to have any other testing to find out, you know, because just because you don't have the gene doesn't mean that you don't have Alzheimer's or something like that or won't get that. And the same thing with my sister. So, you know, I, I, I don't want to say I was disappointed when my aunt found out she didn't have the gene. I was glad for her, but I'm like, you know, man, why do I have to get it? But, um, you know, I, I think I'm as prepared as I can be given the situation that, you know, what's going to happen. Um, and it's probably better off that I have it than somebody else who maybe isn't as strong as me that would have a more, have a difficult time going through it because I'm always, um, the glass is half full type of person and I make the best out of any terrible situation. And I'm going to do that with this. And I'm planning on rocking Alzheimer's disease and just doing the best I possibly can. Gosh, what a fantastic attitude and outlook you have towards it. Cause so many people will just get really depressed and kind of go down that, oh, woe is me, why me, uh, you know, um, out of this whole thing. But, you know, you are really taking control in saying, I'm going to live my best life I can uh, right. for as long as I can. Why don't you tell people a little bit about this trip you took? I think that would be kind of fun. Okay. Um, well, like I said, the day after I found out I had Alzheimer's, um, I contacted my travel agent and I booked a 38 trip day trip to Australia, New Zealand, Tahiti, and Bora Bora. And my husband and I went and uh, it was kind of interesting. I think my husband thought I had a different perspective this time around on my trip. You know, we had, you know, they, they had pre-planned excursions and things like that and things to do. But on this trip, um, if there was something that came up that was an additional excursion or something that seemed interesting, I just booked it. And some of them were kind of dangerous. You know, they were kind of um, thrill seeking and things like that. And I kept telling them, I'm like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? I'm going to die. I'm going to, I'm going to go off and do it. So I was doing things that I never would have done before. Um, and um, I have a blog that I maintain out there called um, 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 living my best life with Alzheimer's. And one of my blog entries is about um, living like I was dying. And that's what I kind of did on that, on this trip. I lived like I was dying. Um, I didn't worry about my fears and things like that. I overcame my fears and some things that I never would have done. So it was, it was pretty interesting and it was fun. I don't know if I would keep doing it because I, I think I was, my husband was a little worried about some of the things we were doing and stuff, but um, I just, you know, I'm just trying to live every day um, to the fullest. Uh, one of the things that I've done is um, um, I've, I've, for the last couple of years, um, I found out I had uterine cancer also last year. So I had to go through that at the same time. And um, as a result of that, I uh, really changed everything that I do in terms of um, my eating and things like that. So I eat very holistically, very healthy food. Um, very, I try to eat organic whenever possible. Um, I'm very into exercise and dieting. Um, and so I try to maintain my brain health. And, um, you know, I, I know there's not many medications out there that are really very helpful. You know, um, Aricept and um, Namenda really don't help a great deal. Um, but, you know, everything I've read, it certainly can't hurt for me to maintain a very healthy diet and, a, and working out and things like that and trying to keep my brain health going. Um, I also pray, play Brain HQ several times a week. So I'm, I'm trying to do as much as I can to prolong the inevitable. 
Now, um, I think all of that is great. How are you? Are you conscious about how much sleep you get and social engagement and things too? Uh, yes, I am. Um, I, uh, um, I don't sleep as good as I should. Um, I'm, I'm very good at getting a good eight to, eight to nine hours of sleep. I'm not as good at taking the naps that I should be taking that the doctor told me to take. I need to get better at that. Um, I'm a very busy body type of person. I have all these things I want to get done in my life. And so I let those things supersede the sleep. So that's one of my goals to improve on this year is to try to improve taking at least, you know, a 30 minute to a half an hour nap. Um, so I'm going to, I'd like to do that. Um, as far as, um, you know, I, I think I am good at, um, in terms of socializing, I'm a, I'm a social butterfly. I, uh, I love to do things with people and I, um, I recently took up golf because we live in a golf community. And so um, I've lived here for six years and never golfed and I thought, you know what, I have this membership, I'm not using it, my husband golfs all the time, it would be good for me to teach myself how to do something new. And I'm gonna go out and learn how to golf, which um, I'll be honest, has been a little bit challenging for me because I did take lessons and the teacher was awesome. Um, his name is Kyle, and he let me videotape his lesson. Um, but I can't remember what he taught me. So, so I have to go back and I watch the videos right before I go golfing. But even when I'm out on the course, I can't necessarily remember what he taught me. So now I've gone and I've transcribed the video into notes. And then when I'm out on the, um, on the course, when something comes up and I can't remember, I go to my notes real quick and I read them. I'm like, okay, that's right. I have to do that. So, um, you know, and, you know, and I've explained to people that, look, I might have a little bit of a problem, um, and, and they've all been very, very patient with me, but I thought learning something new would be good for me, and, and it is. You know, it's getting me outside, I'm getting exercise, I'm getting fresh air, and I'm learning something new. Um, I think this year, too, I'd like to learn a foreign language, so I think I'm going to try to pick that up, although I'm pretty sure I won't be able to remember what I just learned, but I'm going to try it. One of the questions I'd like to ask is, how is your husband and... Uh, and your children, how are they doing with, uh, with this diagnosis? Um, well, my children live out of state, and um, I think they're a little bit more matter-of-fact about it because um, they, they lived through it with my mom, um, and they came all of the time to the nursing home, and they saw what I was doing, and they visited her all the time and things like that. And so um, I think they know what to expect. I think at this point they're still somewhat in disbelief because I still seem so capable that they don't necessarily believe the diagnosis, even though the doctors told us that, you know, but I keep telling them I'm only at the beginning stages, you know, and, and I could jump a stage and then things could get bad relatively quickly. Um, so, but, you know, they're supportive. Um, I think, uh, they're, they're worried behind the scenes, but they've been supportive and, and trying to keep me upbeat and things like that. And um, I think, you know, they're very happy to hear how active I am and how many friends I have and how busy I am. And, you know, it's funny, if you look at my calendar, I'm booked out like three, four months because I have so many social activities and so many. And then I also volunteer for the Alzheimer's Association and doing activities for them and the walk to end Alzheimer's and things like that. So um, my husband, on the other hand, um, he also, uh, he is my second husband, and we were dating um, um, towards the end of my mom's life, and so he saw everything I went through with my mom, and um, he, he says he's prepared, and he knows what to expect, but I don't think he's prepared. Um, I do 
everything pretty much around the house. Um, I maintain the household. I do all the grocery shopping. I do all the bill paying. I do everything. And so we just got back from our trip two weeks ago. And the other day I implemented what I call husband 101 training. And that's where, for example, he came in and he said, honey, he goes, I have some dirt on my golf, his favorite golf head. He said, can you please help me get it out? He goes, you know, I can't get it out. He goes, can you help me? So I left it there. So when he came back out, I go, I'm not going to get it out for you. And he goes, you're not? I go, no, you're going to get it out. I'm going to teach you how to do that. And so he said, he goes, well, no, just do it. I said, no, because pretty soon I'm not going to be able to do this stuff for you and you need to start learning. Um, and then uh, we got some bills and I said, um, here's some bills. And he goes, yeah, just go ahead and pay them. And I go, no, nope. I said, I'm not paying them. I said, I have to show you how we do go online and how we pay them and what we do. So, um, you know, I've told him, I said, it's time now because my doctor told me at my last appointment that it's time for me to start putting procedures in place and things in place like my end of life plans and things like that because my, my, my uh, disease has progressed a little bit. And she said, you know, I think you should do it sooner than later because you don't know when things are going to get a little bit more difficult. So um, we're starting that transition. And I, um, one of the things that worries me about him is that he's um, not really open to going to support group meetings for caregivers and things like that. He doesn't think he needs them. And um, I have friends who are caregivers who's, who's um, spouses are either going through it or have just passed away. And they assure me that he's going to need the support of caregiving um, support group meetings because a lot of times you lose your friends and people, you know, um, pull away from you. Um, and he says, well, I'll go. It's just a little too soon. And I keep telling him it's not too soon. So um, I'm hoping through my advocacy work and the things that I'm doing, that the more people we meet and the more people that talk to him, he'll get, be willing to be more engaged in that capacity and, and be open to the idea that he's going to need some assistance. Um, but, you know, in the very near future, we're going to start looking at nursing homes and things like that. And so I'm sure that's something that will help convince him that um, this, this is real and it's going to happen. And Wow. You are incredible. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I love how proactive you're being and, and really taking things to heart and positioning him to be able to handle things so everything's not a crisis you know trying to get things in that kind of gentle setup mode and and being able to let your wishes be known now um, right. I, I think a lot of times people wait too long and so I I, I really I, I personally advocate for people to do things sooner sooner than later on that um, would he ever go to like let's say a memory cafe where you both go I've just found those to be so helpful for so many. I think he would if we both went. Um, unfortunately, in the um, area that I'm in in Florida, um, amazingly enough, there's not many things like that. Um, there, the closest one we have uh, in terms of an Alzheimer's meeting is about an hour and a half away, hour and 15 minutes away. So I got the Alzheimer's Association to start a meeting close to me, and I help run the meeting. Um, and so we, we do do that, but there's not a lot of things like that. Um, so that's something that I'd like to help start developing in the area that I live in, because I think there's a real need for that. I, and I don't know if you've checked out the Memory Cafe directory, but Dave's really pulled this, so many of them together. And, okay. so, and a lot of times, you know, they're just small groups and they don't have money to really advertise and stuff. And so that's a really good resource, the Memory Cafe directory. And you can be listed in there 
you know, for free, but it's for people with dementia and their care partners. And, and I know I've facilitated one for, gosh, I don't even know how many years. And, um, you know, half the time I, I come out of there, my cheeks are sore because we've laughed so much. Right. You know? right. But it pulls people together, but it's not focused strictly on dementia. You know, okay. it talks about all of all of life and what's going on and, and people just have this instant bond and this instant acceptance and they get to see other people progress and deal with things ahead of them. And then, you know, as uh, and so they're able to learn uh, right. from that experience and stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful thing. Now, I know one of your goals is really to change the face of of Alzheimer's so that the public doesn't just think you have to be old and in a wheelchair and nonverbal anymore <laughs> in order right. to have that. Um, what, how are you positioning yourself to do that? I know you mentioned you had a blog and you're doing some work with the Alzheimer's Association. Can you go a little deeper in that? Yes. Um, yes, I'm trying to, um, I do my blog. Um, I'm um, working with some people who are Alzheimer's advocates who I know also, who you also know. And, um, you know, I'm um, going to be probably start doing some public speaking engagements and things like that because they're getting me engaged and, and, and things and helping in that capacity. Um, and I'm working with some other organizations to participate in some of their conferences and stuff like that. Um, but then also I'd like to, um, um, you know, I really think that the, the face of Alzheimer's right now is like you said, it's somebody who's, you know, 80 some years old and they're, um, you know, out of sorts and things like that. And they're um, pretty far along in their disease. Well, you know, I go to Alzheimer's meetings and, uh, you know, I'm 58 and I certainly don't think I look like I have Alzheimer's. And, and uh, there's a lady there that I just met who's 51 and she's just beautiful. I have a friend who's 31 and she has um, dementia. So, you know, it, it, they, they come in all shapes and sizes. And I think people need to realize that. And, and I think, you know, um, Alzheimer's, as you know, it's, it's um, growing in leaps and bounds as the baby, baby boomers get older and as people are aging and things like that, we're going to see a lot more people get diagnosed with the dementia and Alzheimer's. And I think people, we need to change the stigma that it's not just an old person's disease and that can happen. For example, my husband and I went the other day um, out and I was talking to somebody and I was asking them about helping me with an Alzheimer's fundraiser and if they would help sponsor it. And they said, well, why would you want to do it for Alzheimer's? Let's do a different um, uh, condition. I said, well, I want to do it for Alzheimer's because I have Alzheimer's. And they said, well, you don't look like you have Alzheimer's. And I said, well, what does somebody who has Alzheimer's look like? You know, I'm sitting there thinking, well, you don't look stupid either, but, you know, um, but, you know, so I think we just need to change the whole dynamic of what Alzheimer's is and that, um, you know, it can happen to younger people like me and that we need to, you know, diag getting diagnosed early is, is a blessing because it helps you plan. You can maybe get on the medication a little bit earlier. You can start changing your lifestyle and start changing your diet. So those are the kind of things that I'd like to promote as I go out and do these types of things. Wonderful. Um, you know, one of the things we had talked about offline was kind of seeing some laws change for people who are living with dementia and being able to have the, the right to choose um, or the right to die with dignity, which we're hearing more and more about being able to have that quality of life and, um, and then deciding when quality no longer exists for them. Can you tell us a little bit about your, your thoughts regarding, regarding, you know, dignity to, to die? Yes. Um, 
I would say my mother was ready to die probably two years earlier than she did. Um, and she did not, I don't think, did not die a very dignified death. Now, part of it was because uh, the hospice did not handle things as well as they should have. And uh, so that caused a problem. But, um, uh, you know, I think her, her body, her mind left her way before her body did. And I don't want to be in that situation. I don't want my family to have to go through it. You know, quite frankly, when I was taking care of her, I thought I might die before she did because I was so stressed out and it put such a toll on me. I don't want my husband and my kids to have to go through that. And so um, I would like to have the opportunity to choose how I pass away. And if I could, I would like to do um, assisted suicide. Uh, however, based on all the research that I've done, um, I've contacted every state that has it approved in the United States. And so far, nobody will uh, do it for people who have certain diseases like Alzheimer's, Lou Gehrig's disease and Parkinson's and things like that. Um, but they will for cancer and some of these other diseases. Um, I would like the opportunity for me to say, you know what, I'll sign something right now while I'm still cognitively capable that says that when I get to this point in my life, I would like to be able to die with dignity. And I would sign it while I'm you know, still capable of doing so. Um, unfortunately, in the United States, they don't allow us to do that. Um, they do do it in Netherlands and they do do it in, in Switzerland. And so I'm looking at that as well. You know, I, I have some family members um, who are, you know, they're very religious and they don't agree with it. They don't think that that's a, a good choice. Uh, you know, and some people I know that are Catholic and they don't agree with me. Um, and you know what, I, I, I understand where they're coming from, but it's my right to choose um, how I want to live. And I don't want to live in a body that my mind no longer works. And so I'd like to have that choice. And so um, as I move forward with my advocacy, I'm hoping that that's something that I can help um, move forward in, in terms of a platform that, I, that is near and dear to me right now, because it's something that I, I quite frankly, I think about it daily. Yeah, it's, a, it's really, it's a big topic and it's a serious one. And it's not like you're going into this blindly. Um, no. you've, you've seen it from the other side and you know you kind of know what to expect. And uh, I know I did a two hour show on this. Oh gosh, it was years ago. And we had all different kinds of people on. We had people with dementia. We had their care partners. We had doctors. Um, we had people who assisted with uh, the assisted suicide. And I remember at the very end, them asking me, Lori, what, what do you want? And I said, you know, I'm a girl that likes my options. I don't know if I'd ever <laughs> use the options, but I want my options. And right. you don't know what life's going to bring you. And you want to be able to be prepared. And in that, you know, that's an option. You've, you've got a right to it. Right. And, and, you know, there's a lot of people out there committing suicide that, you know, maybe wouldn't have if we had a more open conversation about it. Maybe, maybe there would be other help. Maybe there would be more support services, more compassion um, to help people through those dark times. But, you know, Pretending like it doesn't exist and it isn't a thought it isn't doing anybody any good. No, it's not. You know, and I, I've never thought myself as somebody who's suicidal because like I said, I'm pan positive and I always look at the glass half full and I'm lo I love my life. So I'm not suicidal, but when I get to that point, I'd like the option. And so, you know, unfortunately when I met with my doctor recently, you know, we talked about it and she knows how I stand and she knows that I'm doing the research and she said, I'll help you any way you can. 
I can, as long as you can find a place that would do something like that. Um, you know, so now I'm at a point where I have to explore both options. I have to keep trying going down that room road, but I'm also researching nursing homes in the event that I have to go down that road. And I, I just don't think that's a fair choice because if I had cancer and it was terminal, then I could do it. And um, this is just as terminal as cancer. So it's unfortunate. And that's a, a really valid point. Um, and it's, it's just, it's so sad because people don't think of this, making this decision when their cognitive abilities are gone. I mean, that's not when this whole process starts from what I've heard from talking with people, um, you know, dealing with dementia. This is something that, that they think about long and hard. It's right. not typically a, a spontaneous um, situation. You know, right. they know they have loved ones. They, you know, they, they think about this. They, they talk with uh, many people and like, like you are doing research and yet are told that they're not cognitively able to make that decision. Yet no one can tell you really when is that, when does that point come? You know, um, people are still driving, people are still doing all these other, you know, um, life um, skills and then somebody decides, no, you're not able to make this decision, but you can still do this, this, and that. Right. It's yeah, you know, and the, one of the organizations overseas that I've talked to, you know, they've said, you know, yes, I can do it, and I, I could do it, they would do it for me. However, I would have to leave what they call quality of life on the table. And so I could do it, but I'd have to do it probably within the next couple of years when I'm still able to function pretty well. And uh, they use the terminology that all your books have to be standing up on the shelf and one book can't be disheveled. Um, so, you know, that could be relatively soon. And, you know, I'm not prepared to do it yet because I still have a lot of quality of life left, I think. Um, and it's unfortunate that I'm put in a situation like that to do that, where in the United States, they couldn't have something that would be compassionate for people like myself to say, you know what, when it gets to this stage and whatever that stage that they deem is appropriate, when you get to that stage, we would allow you to do that. Yeah. Um, I want to go back and talk a little bit about lifestyle choices. You had mentioned that you, you know, are, are really conscious of how you eat and exercise. And can you give people kind of a, a routine, if you have one, uh, of what types of things you're involved in, what types of foods you're choosing to eat? And Sure. Um, I, I tend to eat mostly fruits and vegetables. And whenever possible, I buy organic. And if I can't buy organic, then I make sure that I clean them extremely well in water and vinegar, and I scrub them really well because I want to get all the glyphosates off. Um, and then um, if I do eat meat, it's usually going to be skinless chicken. Um, or once in a while, I'll have a steak. But I tend to eat mostly fruits and vegetables, um, and I do have nuts. Um, and then um, I usually have a smoothie in the morning with chia seeds and flax seeds, spinach, kale, banana, and um, uh, vegan protein powder. Uh, and then um, I'll have, you know, like I said, the other things for lunch and dinner. Um, I don't drink any uh, pop anymore. If I do once in a blue moon, I might have a diet pop if I'm out with a bunch of friends, but it's very rare. I usually just drink water. Uh, and then I also, um, uh, uh, as far as exercise goes, the exercise that I do is I usually walk a couple miles um, several times a week, yeah, probably five times a week. Um, and then I, um, if I, I usually golf a couple times a week. 
And then I do water aerobics about five days a week um, because we live in Florida and I have a swimming pool behind my house. And so I do water aerobics. So I get quite a bit of activity and a lot of exercise. Um, and so that helps keep the blood flowing, which, you know, gets to my brain and things like that. And um, I, I have another medical condition called neurally mediated syncope, which it causes me to faint very often, which is why I have my pacemaker. And um, me staying active like that and keeping my blood flowing has really helped that condition as well. So um, all of this is good stuff, you know, so not only is it good for my heart, but it's good for my brain. And um, when I go to the Alzheimer's meetings and stuff and I speak to people and stuff like that, uh, everybody who, who's a doctor or who attend these meetings, like, you know, you are on the right path. That, those are the things you should be doing because that is very helpful because there's really not a lot of good medication out there for Alzheimer's right now to really help other than changing your lifestyle. I totally agree with you. There's a, a man up here in Minnesota called uh, William Walsh. And he has written a book. He was a, a doctor. He's retired now and an allergist. He truly believes that he's gotten rid of his symptoms through diet. And he's in the process of writing a second book. I want to say his first book is called Retaining the Brain. And um, he, like I said, he'll have his new one rolling out shortly because uh, when he did his first book, he didn't have his, his particular diet pinned down. But he, he really thinks that you can do so much through dietary. Yeah. And um, it was really quite interesting. Now, you had mentioned again that you've got this pacemaker. I would imagine that that might run into some difficulties then in terms of getting involved in studies and so forth. Yes, unfortunately. Um, I've applied for over 400 studies, and I've been rejected by all of them. And um, I asked my doctor why, because I was pretty upset, because I uh, was really spending a lot of time trying to get into studies. And she pretty much told me that I should stop doing it, um, because my pacemaker precludes me from getting into almost any study, because my pacemaker is not MRI compatible. And I can't get an MRI compatible pacemaker, uh, because my leads are not MRI compatible. And apparently no doctor will do the surgery and put me under anesthesia and take a risk. Um, by doing that. So um, I will never qualify for that. And then on top of that, like I said, I had cancer last year. And um, if you have had a cancer diagnosis within the last five years, that also precludes you from being in a study. So uh, I hate to say this, but getting on, on things like this and talking to people in other avenues and doing articles and things like that, those types of things, I'm hoping that maybe someday somebody will reach out to me and say, you know what, I, I might be able to help you, or what about this, or some good advice. Um, I had somebody from Australia, he's an uh, Alzheimer's researcher in Australia. They reached out to me and gave me some good advice and are putting me in contact with some doctors in New York. So, you know what, I, I just figure the more I can get out there and get um, some um, experience in terms of people knowing who I am, maybe, maybe somebody someday will be able to help. Um, I really uh, am praying that, you know, what the iCloud initiative or, or the cloud part of the cloud initiative is doing um, will really help, you know, with what Bill Gates is helping to fund and stuff like that with fast tracking some of the studies out there on Parkinson's and some of the other things and introducing things to the FDA faster to get them approved. Hopefully someday something will be able to help me. Um, but if not, hopefully it's going to help my children. Well, that's a good way to look at it. There is a, a company out in Seattle called the Brain Health and Research and um, they're doing some really neat things. A lot of it is holistic, but through uh, they do a lot of um, 
testing through blood samples and things like that and diet and lifestyle changes. And they've had some incredible, pretty incredible results with that. And um, yeah, I can, I can get you that, that information. And then in Florida too, there is, and I don't know what their criteria is, but I know that they're doing some stem cell um, work with Alzheimer's and dementia down there as well. And um, I could, I can hook you up with a a person who actually her husband is going through that right now. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. You know, on my, on my blog, one of my blog um, posts that I wrote was, is called my toxic brain. And I talk about all the things I'm doing to remove the toxicity. Yeah. You know, cause this is one of the things that my oncologist spoke to me about, you know, you need to try to eliminate as many toxins, whether it's um, through your foods or through the things that you put on your body. Cause almost every product we use now is toxic. Um, and so I have that in my, in my blog. And I really think it's something that people, whether they have Alzheimer's or anything, you need to be conscious of it because it's not a matter of if you're going to get cancer. It's a matter of when you're going to get cancer now, depending based on how things are going. And obviously it, you know, it also works, uh, you know, it, um, it flows through to your brain. And, and I think more people we're going to find are, are getting those types of things just because they were environmental. Oh, there's so much going on. And then you add the 5G wireless Oh yeah. That we have no control over at all. And everyone's excited that their phones and computers are working faster, but we really don't know at what cost. That's right. And overseas, you know, they, they've outlawed it um, in many countries, but not here in the U S just kind of like with our food systems and stuff. So yeah, it's, it's very interesting. What's um, what, what is going to be the root cause of, all the different types of dementias and there's so many um, and yet it's really such a baby disease. We know very little about what the true cause is uh, for that. So I, I, I applaud you for all you're doing and, and sharing your life so openly with others. I, I know what a difference that makes to yeah. so many people. So I, I can't thank you enough. So again, your blog is living my best life with Alzheimer's. Is that correct? Yeah, it's living my best life with Alzheimer's, not going down without a fight. Not going down without a fight. Okay. And then did you want to give a, um, an email? Um, it's Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y, B-I-A-L-K, at yahoo.com. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time today and all you are doing. And um I can see you are going to be one big change maker out there. And I'm excited to, to just see you keep being lifted and raised and your, in your voice going further and further. It's going to help a lot of people, Kelly. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And thank you for your time. Thank you. We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525.